Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will discuss where the Shockers are at after six games and a 5-1 and one start. We'll also get you ready for two big non-conference matchups against Big 12 opponents. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers are off to a 5-1 and one start. And since it's been a little while since the game in Vegas, I want to start a little bit more big picture today, Taylor. At the beginning of the season, had you said the Shockers would be 5-1 and one at this point, I think most all fans would be happy with that. Most expected a 1-1 one and one trip to Vegas, and that means you got a road win over an SEC opponent in Missouri. But on the other hand, I, I just don't know how to feel just yet because it hasn't necessarily been the most aesthetically pleasing basketball. Four out of the six games, uh, actually five out of the six games, have been decided by six points or less. It's come down to the end. Very rarely have the Shockers been able to, you know, get somewhat of an extended lead. And even with the trip to Vegas, the one and one trip, you were so close against Arizona. You go 12 of 24 from the free throw line and you see an Arizona team that's now ranked number 11 in the AP poll and you kind of kick yourself and you say, what if? So for maybe just for me or really for all Shocker fans after this five and one start, where, where exactly do you think this team is? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's just it's not looking uh, pretty right now. I mean, the 5-1 and one record is what everyone, you know, would have expected at this point. Um, and, you know, really the, the free throw shooting, you, you hit on that too, and that, you know, really hurt them in the Arizona game. They come all the way back from 16 down, and if they make their free throws at just an average clip, uh, you know, they you can make the argument that Wichita State might have won that game in regulation, not even didn't even need uh, overtime just because they missed so many freebies at the line. And then kind of the same problem happened at Missouri, where you know they're up 13 with two minutes left, and because of missed free throws, stupid turnovers, uh, you know, and then even before that, you know, they had so many mistakes on the fast break, it was hard to watch. And uh, you know that should have been a 15 to 20 point win. And I talk about that because, uh, you know, a six-point win at Missouri, you know, no one's going to, you know, it's hard to nitpick that anytime you can get a road win against an SEC team. But, you know, come March, uh, you know, it's going to be important. Uh, you know, those those 10 points they left on the board at Missouri, that's going to matter because, uh, you know, you look at the the analytics, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the Ken Palm ratings of the world, and it takes it on a possession-by-possession possession basis. And, you know, they were favored to win that game by one. And, you know, uh, winning by six is nice. But, man, if you could have won that game by 18, 20 points and you outperform the, the margins by that much, you know, your, your ratings are only going to go up. Your efficiency is only going to go up. And so that was a real missed opportunity for Wichita State. But there were a lot of things from that game that, uh, you know, are promising uh, you know, the pick and roll game looked better than ever. Craig Porter had a really, really nice floor general game. Mo Udeze uh, kind of found his niche and, and they were able to open the floor up for him more. And uh, so that that part was pretty promising. The defense continues to be excellent. 
I uh, just kind of went through some of the notes uh, after rewatching the game. And, you know, the defense, they were at 0.7 points per possession through the first 62 possessions of the game. That, then they just kind of had some brain farts down the stretch the last two minutes. But, you know, to hold a team to 0.7 points per possession for basically the good portion of that game, very, very impressive. The defense continues uh, to be the strong suit. You know, they, they played the best defense against Arizona they've seen all year. They continue to be in the gaps. Uh, it's impressive what they're doing without a real kind of shot-blocking presence on the inside at the five position. And uh, they just continue to play solid defense and just scrape by on offense. And like you said, it's not always pretty. But, you know, the turnovers are, are a little infuriating, especially on the fast break. But, you know, that's uh, optimism view. You know, there's a lot of easy fixes to that stuff. And if they can just clean that stuff up, you know, it's it's easy to see a road to, uh, you know, a better offense. They had won the turnover battle in their first five games. The Missouri game where they had 18 turnovers was the first game that they lost. Next, I want to ask you two questions about Tyson Etienne. First being, what is he doing at halftime that all of a sudden makes those shots go in in the second half? Against Arizona, he scores 24 of 27 after halftime. Against UNLV, he scores 23 of 28 in the second half. Against Mizzou, he scores 13 of 18 in the second half. So that's the first part of the question. My second part, he has 41 more shots than the next closest shocker on the team. I think we always knew he was going to be who kind of, you know, the, the spoon that stirs the drink on offense. But do you think they need to get a little bit more diversification with the shot taking on the offensive end? Yeah, so I, I've actually asked Tyson about that this season. And uh, his answer was he kind of plays himself into a rhythm. And, uh, you know, maybe the, the shots aren't falling at the, the in the first half and he just kind of shoots his way into rhythm. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not uh, ideal. You know, you would hope uh, that he can, you know, uh, take good shots and, and uh, make uh, good shots, uh, you know, first half, second half regardless. But I think it's uh, one of those things where he just maybe kind of finds a rhythm and uh, that second half and, I don't know. He's just, you know, a big time player. And, uh, you know, you've seen him take over games down the stretch. You know, obviously he had the, the uh, viral game winner at the, the very first game. Uh, you've seen him take over down the stretch, you know, three three of these games now. And, you know, really close the door on, on opponents. And even the Arizona game, you know, he's uh, made a, a ton of clutch shots in that comeback too. So um, I think he's just, you know, uh, just something about the – you know, when the, the stakes are raised, you know, he's at his best. But uh, to go to your the second part of the question, yeah, I think there there definitely needs to be a little bit more of a balance uh, for Wichita State's offense to, to really hit its peak. Uh, you know, obviously Tyson Etienne is going to take a lot of shots. You know, he's going to be the number one option, uh, you know, on the offense. And uh, I think you saw in the second half of the Missouri game, uh, maybe the ideal offense, you know, they had a lot of stupid turnovers and that you can cut that out. But if you look at this, the shots they took, uh, you know, take out the turnovers, forget those, you know, they were 16 of 25. Uh, you know, they, they were just slicing up Missouri's defense. They were using Tyson as kind of a decoy in the pick and roll game and, and using his gravity uh, to, to really put defenses in a bind. And, you know, no one's going to help off on Tyson. So they're using that to their advantage. And uh, Craig Porter was so good, uh, you know, in the pick and roll that they were able to hit Mo and, and Kenny a few times on just wide open uh, dunks on uh, down the lane. So I think that's the most encouraging part 
of that Missouri game to me is just Wichita State looked like it, it finally found a you know some kind of identity on offense, and it's not just you know Tyson dribbling around uh, and then chucking a shot in the last five seconds. You know we saw a lot of that. You know really the first five games they've gone to mostly a ball screen offense, and uh, you know haven't got you know a ton uh, of good looks out of that just because the spacing has been uh, you know not it hasn't been terrible, but it's just you know it's not great. And, you know, they don't have the shooting to really, you know, uh, convince defenses not to help off. And then you have a big guy, you know, Morris Udeze, who's not great in the, the short role. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, run a, a ball screen offense super efficient, uh, you know, when you, you don't have really the pieces to make it work or really the pieces that are, are performing, uh, you know, at a high level to make the defenses pay. So uh, I think you saw the adjustments that Wichita State made this last game and took Tyson off the ball and used him as more of a decoy and uh, used that gravity against, uh, you know, the opponent. And I think that's something you could see moving forward where, you know, in the first five games we saw Tyson a lot on the ball, uh, you know, kind of snaking his way through screens and then taking, you know, tough fadeaway twos and, and tough, uh, you know, contested threes. And, you know, less of that, more of Tyson coming off screens, catching and shooting, more of, uh, you know, Mo setting a solid ball screen and Tyson can just, you know, take one dribble around it and, and pull up wide open like he did the very first play of the Missouri game. And uh, so they need more of stuff like that, less of the, you know, contested mid-range twos that, uh, you know, he's kind of settling for or really had had to shoot because Wichita State's offense was so bogged down and they didn't get a clean look in the first, you know, 15, 20 seconds of the shot clock. So. That's yeah, that's that's a great point and something that Wichita State's going to need more balance going forward. You know, cleaner looks for everyone around, uh, and less you know Tyson taking twenty twenty five shots a game. You brought this up a little bit already, but in my discussions with Shocker fans over the last few weeks, maybe the biggest and, and I don't want to use the term disappointment, but the biggest point of confusion has been the play of Mo Udeze. He certainly has not looked like the player that we saw in the NCAA tournament game against Drake. I think folks just due to his tenure in the program had a lot of expectations. He really improved on his free throw shooting last year as well. So maybe just talk and, and you touched on this a little bit already, but what can the the Shocker offense do to get him a little bit more involved or get him going at a quicker pace so that we see more of those 15 point type outputs like he had against the Tigers yeah I think the biggest difference is that Wichita State has really gone heavily to the ball screen offense and put him as a you know a screener at the top and uh, you know last year he had a lot of his success back to the basket uh, you know moving from block to block uh, you know, getting the kind of just an ISO uh, in the post and, you know, taking that big drop step, lowering his shoulder. And, you know, it's not always pretty, but, you know, it got the job done. And uh, we haven't seen that very much at all this season. You know, he's hardly scored out of the post. He did get back to that a little bit, that Missouri game. You, you saw him score twice out of that uh, on the low post feeds. Uh, and then, you know, he's just kind of feeling his way out as, you know, this new life in the ball screen offense. You know, like I said, not really his strong suit catching on the you know he's going to set that screen uh porter's going to come off or grant and you know they're, they're going to have two on the ball and you know the the guard's got to throw that slot pass and mo's going to catch at the free throw line and you know you know good teams you know they're going to have that guy that a playmaker there that can you know shoot the short jumper 
uh, go in, make a floater, take it to the rim, uh, drive in further and kick out uh, to collapse the defense. And that's not really Mo's, you know, that's uh, not his forte. Uh, and, uh, and that's really where he struggled this year. And that's why I was talking about earlier how important it was that WSU introduced that wrinkle, uh, especially down the stretch of that uh, Missouri game where they used Tyson Etienne as that decoy. And uh, so what they would do is, you know, have Mo, Mo and uh, Mo set the ball screen for Porter, and then they would have Tyson underneath the basket. And as soon as Porter would make his uh, drive, Tyson is clearing out. He's going from underneath the basket to the top of the key to bring that defender with him. And usually, you know, that defender would be responsible for, for providing the help defense, tagging the roller, uh, you know, preventing Mo from catching. But because no one's going to leave Tyson, that guy's going straight to the three-point line. Craig is doing a really great job of drawing two defenders, bringing that help over from the big guy, and then just dumping it over. And because that guy is so worried about Tyson, that's why Mo had so many wide-open dunks last game. And that's what Wichita State's got to get back to, you know, got to get, uh, you know, kind of spoon feed Mo, those easy baskets, get the confidence back. Uh, you know, he was so good at that last year, uh, kind of waiting in the dumper, in the dunker spot, uh, waiting for Alterique or someone to, to drive in and then just, you know, dump it off and taking that one big drop step and then dunking it. And, uh, you know, you, you saw a little bit of a return to, to what made Mo great last year, the end of last year, especially. So, those are stuff that uh, you know. That's things that you can look forward to. Uh, I think uh, that's the 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 road to success for Mo is uh, you know try to get you know two or three post up baskets every every game, and then just stay in that dunker spot, wait for uh, you know dump offs, and then uh, and then like I said, the, that Etienne wrinkle. That's something to watch this Oklahoma State game, especially they have a big time big time shot blocker and Cisse. Uh, uh, and, you know, they're going to try to draw him away from the rim and put him in that ball screen action. And uh, hopefully they can get, you know, Mo going that way because that, that should be an easy, easy road. And it really puts defenses in a bind and makes them make a, a tough choice. In NFL cities where the starting quarterback is struggling, the joke is that the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town. I feel bad for Mo, but man, when you have a seven-foot freshman in Kenny Poto and some of the moves that he's been making and even just some of the almost dunks that he's had, it, it really it gets you excited about the future. But he was also the American freshman of the week, and certainly you maybe see him getting a little bit more time at that five spot as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, they have a, a very intriguing, one-two combination there at the five position because you know Mo is like we just talked about you know he's a bruiser down low uh, not great on the short roll and uh, I mean Wichita State that's why you know Kenny Poto is so valuable because he provides such a different look and can really change Wichita State's offense in a pinch because uh, you know he, he can pop to the perimeter and make the three he can do that short roll I mean he's an underrated passer we haven't seen much of that this season yet but in, in the in the few chances we have, I mean, he's very good at catching that slot pass at the free throw line, not charging into, you know, the defender, stopping, identifying where the open shooter is in the corner and, and making that pass. So Kenny has a, such a high upside and, uh, you know, really it's just a matter of, you know, putting uh, some weight on him, uh, getting that experience in the low post and, you know, just trying to hold his own because uh, right now, you know, WSU's offense goes up. Uh, you know, big time when Kenny is in the game. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I think he has a large impact on that. 
just because, uh, you know, we talked about spacing and how tough it is for Wichita State to space the floor. Well, when you have a five guy that can set the screen and you have Tyson Etienne coming off of it, that puts so much pressure on the defense. And, uh, and we've seen Tyson uh, find him uh, a lot, and he just hasn't made that three as consistently as, uh, you know, Wichita State would like. Uh, let's see, he's three for 14 on the year. That's uh, not a great percentage, but, you know, they're, they think they view him as, you know, that 40% type of three-point shooter. You know, they think those averages will, will even out over the course of the year. And you saw in the UNLV game, you know, Kenny hit three threes and uh, really showed his potential in that pick-and-roll game. And then even the Missouri game, he didn't hit threes, but he rolled, and uh, WSU was able to find him, and he was able to, you know, grab an offensive rebound and, and uh, you know, get the foul. And he's been such a good offensive rebounder so far, too. So a uh, great one-two combo that, that WSU has right now at the five, especially now that Mo is, you know, kind of back on track and, uh, you know, when he's playing well and Kenny's obviously, I mean, it seems like he's going to be pretty steady for a true freshman. So uh, that's big time for Wichita State to have that kind of, uh, you know, firepower at the five. Now, you know, the challenge is, you know, getting someone like Dexter Dennis going, get, getting somebody like Joe Pleasant. You know, they really haven't got very much from, uh, you know, the wings or really the, the point guards, uh, you know, scoring wise. So uh, right now, you know, the, it, there's so much potential for this Wichita State offense to get it going. Uh, but right now it's a work in progress. And like we talked about earlier, they're leaving, t- uh, you know, points on the table, which is frustrating now. But it kind of shows you the potential of this Wichita State team. Well, let's move to the point guard position. That's probably the second most common discussion that I've had over the last few weeks is who's going to emerge at that point guard position. For the first few games, I was on the Quay Grant train. He actually has a steal in every game and leads the team with 10 steals. But I thought Craig Porter Jr. had his best game as a shocker against Missouri and really you know, navigated the offense well. And I know you talked about that in your postgame article. So just maybe you know, talk just a little bit about what you've seen from Craig. I mean, it kind of just goes back to what we were talking about with Mo. You know, he was, Craig Porter is kind of the one that was able to unlock Mo uh, because, you know, obviously Tyson Etienne is a huge part of that. It, I mean, this play doesn't work if, you know, if he doesn't have the shooting gravity that he has. But, you know, it, it, it's also up to the point guard to, you know, attra- you have to force that double team. You have to attract that second defender. And the big man, and Craig has been so good at snaking around the, the ball screen and, uh, you know, not turning it over and drawing that big guy further and further away from uh, from the basket and uh, really setting up Mo. Uh, he actually had five assists. Uh, the box score said four, but they actually uh, misidentified um, one of his assists. So uh, he was excellent. Um, and he's really kind of taken hold of the point guard position. I was just looking at my stats. And uh, so the last three games, he's played uh, over half of the possessions. Uh, the last two games, he played 71% against UNLV and 62% against uh, Missouri. So, uh, you know, Quay was playing a lot in the first four games. And then now that Craig has been playing so well, you know, the minutes have kind of gone down for Quay. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of like the center position. You know, uh, they have two good options, two options they feel good about. And, uh, you know, for Quay, it's just, you know, about slowing down, uh, you know, he, he's a good basketball player. He makes good, he, he can make good decisions, but right now really, really struggling in transition. You know, we saw that against Missouri. I mean, I think he had two or three of them where he kind of uh, botched it. And 
so for him, it's just about getting that confidence going again. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of good flashes, but we've also seen some flashes where, you know, he's, he's clearly making that transition from the division two level. Maybe it's on the fast breaks and you've seen it, you know, going to the basket where he'll challenge big guys and, you know, maybe he gets it over him last year, but you know, this year he's getting a lot of shots blocked. So, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, been, uh, good in, in burst and, uh, the key for him now is just, you know, consistency and, uh, avoiding turnovers. Uh, you know, as a point guard, you got to limit your turnovers if you're going to play for Wichita state. And, uh, but they have two good options moving forward. I mean, Quay just provides a, a, a different kind of look for them much quicker, much more explosive when he's handling the ball where Craig likes to kind of, uh, poke and probe and, uh, you know, he's much more smooth when he has the ball in his hands on defense. I mean, you see that explosion and rebounding. Uh, that's why I was talking to him after the game. I mean, most people think of, uh, you know, explosive athletes, you know, on dunks and stuff like that. But, you know, Craig, he shows that explosive athleticism on rebounds and, and shot blocks. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good one-two punch that Wichita State has. I suspect that, you know, both of these guys are going to play a lot of minutes uh, for Wichita State this season. They're, they're going to need both of them at different times. And, uh, yeah, right now Craig is just playing really, really well. Even though he didn't score a single point, like you said, uh, Dustin, I agree with you. I thought that was the best game overall that uh, Craig has played because he played great defense. Uh, he was in command of the offense, really ran the pick and roll well. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's something to build on going into Oklahoma State where that's going to be a really, really tough game. So they're going to need those point guards to take care of the ball. I think Jenkins has done well in flashes. I know there's only so many minutes to go around, and most of those at the the two-guard spot are going to go to Tyson. But do you see him having an increased role as we move forward here? Uh, I mean, like in the in the tight games, probably not. I mean, I thought uh, he would after that Tarleton State performance. I thought he played really, really well. I was very impressed when I watched it back. Uh, just like his defense is what stood out to me, like how he, how quick he was moving his feet, how much uh, – you know, intensity and passion that he showed on that side. And obviously he had the big dunk and then the, the big time three. And uh, yeah, I thought he would earn a, earn a chance to kind of make an impression. But, you know, over the last three games, we haven't really seen him much. Only played, you know, uh, a minute or two against Arizona, then the same thing against Missouri. So I would suspect that that's kind of he's on the outside looking in right now. Uh, the good news for him, though, is, you know, after Oklahoma State and K-State after this week, they had Wichita State has four straight bye games at home, uh, Norfolk State, uh, Alcorn State, North Texas, Prairie View A&M, uh, to basically close out non-conference play. So he's going to see a lot of minutes in those games, I would suspect, and he's going to have a chance to really make an impression going into conference play that he does deserve You know those non-Etienne minutes at shooting guard, You know however many they are, because uh, right now uh, you know those are going to Quay, uh, uh, Quay Grant. Sometimes they play two point guards, and they're going to Ricky Council. He'll, they'll move him at, to the two. Uh, so Chauncey's going to have to, you know, I think those four game that four game stretch is going to be key for him. And if he plays well, then uh, you know I think IB is going to feel more comfortable putting him in the rotation, uh, you know, in conference play. But I don't think there. I mean, I, I feel like there there's going to be there's going to be a game where he's going to come in, whether it's foul trouble or injuries, whatever, some point during this season, I think he's going to have a big role in, in a win for Wichita State. 
As a team, they're up to number 56 in Ken Palm. And I guess at this point in the season, you just keep stacking wins. We'll get to the two matchups against Big 12 opponents this week in just a second. But you, you beat an Oklahoma State and a K-State, even without the, you know, maybe their, their typical team that they would have in the Wildcats. And you maybe start to flirt with uh, that others receiving votes column of the top 25. When we look at their stats, you know, it, it kind of, you know, gives uh, an illustration of what we've been talking about this entire time. They're shooting under 40% from the field, under 33% from three, 67% from the free throw line. One surprising statistic, they're averaging 4.7 blocks per game, which for a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of size, I thought that was an impressive number. And that's mainly coming from the guards. We've seen Craig Porter Jr. with several blocks uh, down low. We've seen Dexter Dennis with several blocks um, down low. But uh, let's start... Let's, let's switch to the coach. I, I actually tweeted you during the Missouri game. It was IB's first technical. And, and not that getting a technical is, you know, means you're a, a good coach, but I've liked the fire and the passion that I've seen from uh, him so far this year. Last season, and I know it's different with empty arenas and your first season as being the head coach, but uh, I, sometimes I just thought, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion with the officials. And once again, not that that always leads to things turning your way, but when he got that technical against Mizzou, the next time down, the call actually went the Shockers way, and you saw Quanzo Martin kind of with his hands in the air saying what's going on. So it's been interesting to see a, a different IB. I saw that up close in, in lo- the games in Las Vegas as well. Yeah, um, our photographer, Travis Hine, got a really good uh, uh, picture of IB as he was getting that technical. So I told him, I was joking with him after the game, if you want to like print out that picture and have like a my first technical little <laughs> you know plaque or something, that, that would be a good one to use. So. Yeah, I mean, we don't see that kind of fire. And really, I mean, honestly, you know, that's that's a lot of fire from IB. But, you know, in terms of getting it technical, I thought that was, like, extremely weak. Uh, you know, he stomped his feet. He he went to the baseline. Uh, that was about it. You know, I asked guys on the bench, uh, did he say anything? They're like, no, he didn't even say anything. It was just because he, you know, stomped and moved in the direction of the ref. So that was a pretty, you know, on the Greg Marshall scale, that was like a 2 out of 10. I mean, that's something that happens just about every game, I felt like. So pretty weak technical, but, you know, it took him 28 games to get one. So that's pretty good. You know, if you, if you keep it to, uh, you know, and some coaches, they, they kind of use it as a, a motivational ploy too. You know, if they don't like how the, their team is playing or they feel like they need to get fired up, you know, sometimes they'll take a, a technical and risk, you know, those two free throws to kind of spark their team. And, I mean, I don't think that's what IV was doing, but, uh, that was that kind of set you know WSU off. They went on a 5-0 run right after that, kind of grabbed the lead back and, and started playing uh, with some fire. So um, yeah, I mean I think they kind of follow following his lead and uh, yeah, it was kind of uh, it surprised me to see him get a technical. But yeah, it was I think fans do enjoy it uh, you know when they see him passionate and getting worked up like that. And last here before we go to break, uh, you know, I know the team practices free throws. I know the team pass practices fast breaks. Do you think this is something that they can easily correct at, at you know, and particularly going into this week against Oklahoma State and K-State? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I've been asking IB a lot about the fast breaks. I mean, the free throws, I think they're going to come and go. Uh, I mean, that's, that is just, uh, you know, game to game and, uh, you know, you look at the first three three games, I think they were like a really good, I think they sh- were almost, you know, above 75% as a team. So I think it's going to come and go. And uh, But the fast breaks, that's stuff that I feel like they can, uh, you know, correct. And maybe that's taken uh, 
uh, you know, the coaching staff a little bit longer to kind of realize, you know, how much of an issue it was, uh, you know, until that Missouri game. And then it just reared its ugly head. So I looked on Synergy, you know, 14 fast break opportunities, only two points. You know, the national average is one point per possession, a little bit at, over that. So, you know, you're leaving 12 points on the board. And if you watch the turnovers, you know, they should have had much more. I mean, they could have had 20 points, uh, you know, on fast breaks. They had eight turnovers, many of which were just mind boggling, you know, just, uh, you know, just crazy stuff that were happening. And uh, yes, that's uh, mostly on the players. You know, they're one; they're the ones on the court making the split section, split second decisions. You know, it's hard for you know to put much blame on the coaching staff for you know what the guys are deciding in the moment. But you know, I think that's a it's a quality that can be drilled in practice. And maybe they weren't focusing as much on that uh, in practice. And I think that that Missouri game really got the the coaching staff's attention. And uh, from what IB has told us, you know, he's, they've been practicing nonstop on fast breaks, on transition, uh, you know, capitalizing on two-on-ones, three-on-ones, you know, three-on-twos. And because, uh, you know, fast break points are going to be so crucial, uh, you know, in games like this that they have coming up against Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State is a top 20 defense. They're elite in the half court. You do not want to be going against a set defense against them every time down, you know. When you get those 10 to 15 possessions in transition, you've got to convert. You know, you've got to make them pay uh, when WSU gets uh, on the run because they're leaving so many points on the board now. So I think that's going to be a, an improvement, um, you know, going forward. I was curious. I mean, uh, it just feels like they're just, you know, turning the ball over, you know, all the time in transition. So I looked it up on Synergy, and they are not the worst team in the country. Uh, no matter what, what it feels like, they're actually the second worst in the country. So number 357 on the on the season. They're only scoring like 0.61 points per possession in transition, uh, which is just uh, horrendous. And uh, so that that's something. Those are just easy, easy way, points uh, that you can just uh, view like going forward. I mean, that's an easy improvement to make for which I'll say to add, you know, anywhere between, you know, six to, to, you know, 15 points per game uh, just by, you know, just becoming an average transition team, which is not too much to ask for from this group. They're long, uh, they're, they're explosive. They have too many good athletes to be this bad in transition. So I would expect that, that number to drastically improve over the course of the season. And uh, I think you'll see an improvement from uh, WSU from there on out. Averaging 7.8 steals per game. So to your point, the opportunities are there. The athleticism is there, but just need to to find a way to make it happen. And to your point, being second to last, there's only one way. Well, I guess you'd go a little down, but most of the way up from there. So let's take a break. When we come back, we will preview Wednesday's matchup at Oklahoma State and Sunday's matchup with K-State at Interest Bank Arena. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge on Wednesday at 7 p.m. on ESPN Plus. The 5-1 Shockers will travel to Stillwater to take on the 6-1 
Oklahoma State Cowboys. They're led by head coach Mike Boynton in his fifth season, and they were picked fifth in the Big 12 preseason poll. Currently, Ken Palm number 38, their best wins of the year against NC State and Charleston. Their one loss was to Oakland 56-55 to earlier in the season. Taylor, you touched on them just a little bit uh, before the break, top 20 defensively, but what else do you see from the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that this is going to be a very, very tough game for Wichita State to score. Uh, as we talked about earlier, that's why it's so important that the transition offense gets better because, you know, uh, going against a set defense every time down against Oklahoma State has not been a recipe for success for, for many opponents this season. So, um, you know, Oklahoma State is good. They're not on the Arizona level. Uh, but they are, you know, you know, if they could play in the NCAA tournament this year, I think they would be an NCAA tournament team or, or certainly at least on the bubble. Uh, so this is a, you know, a stiff test for Wichita State. Uh, you know, they don't have, you know, last year, obviously, they had the number one draft uh, pick, uh, you know, in the NBA and Kate Cunningham. They don't have that this year. They don't really have, you know, uh, you know, a dominant scorer. They're very balanced this year. I think they have like nine guys that are averaging between six and 11. And uh, so, you know, there's not one guy that, that you have to absolutely stop. Uh, that's why I focus more on the defensive side. And um, so Wichita State is just going to have to, uh, you know, do a lot. Uh, I think they're going to have to replicate what they did down the stretch against Missouri, uh, where they used Tyson more as a decoy, put Craig and Mo in that screen and, and try to, to get, you know, milk that for as much as they can. Uh, and then Tyson's going to have to have a good game. And, uh, and then I think a lot of, uh, you know, we're going to see how much WSU has learned from the Arizona game where, you know, they, they, they tried to drive a lot and got blocked a lot. Arizona is so big. Oklahoma State, very similar defensive profile. They block a ton of shots at the rim. WSU's guards are going to have to be a lot smarter going to the basket, you know, uh, sometimes driving to kick instead of just driving with a shot in mind, which sometimes leads to, you know, crazy uh, you know, forced shots, uh, very low percentage looks. Um, so the decision making is going to have to be much better from the guards, and uh, they're going to have to drive and try to collapse the defense and look to to uh, you know kick in the corner, kick to the wing, and then it's just going to come down to you know uh, how many wide open threes can Wichita State make? You know, if they, I feel like uh, ten threes is always kind of the the mark in my head. If they can hit ten. You know, they're, they're going to win a lot of games. So, you know, it's going to come down to that. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, you know, Joe Pleasant, Dexter Dennis, uh, you know, wings like that, uh, you know, can they, they can they make enough shots uh, to make the defense pay? And, uh, you know, someone like Kenny Podo, can he come off the bench and uh, and really put Oklahoma State's uh, defense in a bind? Because, you know, Cisse is a big-time shot blocker. He wants to – Stay, uh, you know, close to the rim. He's going to chase a lot of block shots. So, uh, you know, if they can put him in that ball screen action and have Kenny pop to the three-point line, that's that's an action where I could see Wichita State giving Oklahoma State a lot of problems because they're, you know, Cisse is not used to guarding the perimeter. So um, that's something to watch. And uh, uh, you know, it's a it's a tough matchup uh, for Wichita State, uh, but it's it's one where it's not unwinnable. Uh, you know, I, I would I would still make Oklahoma State the favorite, uh, six point favorite on Kim Palm. Maybe that's a little bit high, but I still think that uh, you know playing at home, they're going to be the favorite going in. So it's going to take a really good effort from Wichita State uh, to to win this game, and it's a big one. You know, come March, this isn't going to be like a marquee win. 
it's like, okay, they won at Oklahoma State. They have to get into the tournament. But, you know, it's a very, it's a, you know, it's going to be a Q1. It's going to be a nice chip uh, come March if they can win this. And it's going to be one of those wins that only builds uh, your case instead of just looking at it as a missed opportunity if it's a loss. I think this game is one of those that the first team to 60 wins. Uh, one stat that I failed to mention earlier is the Shockers have held four out of their six opponents under 60 points. So I also think the Shockers are the toughest matchup for Oklahoma State thus far when you look at their schedule. So yes, they go on then as the favorites. Yes, they're higher on Ken Palm. Yes, they have a little bit more length, but I don't think they've seen the defense of Wichita State so far. They are shooting it, the Cowboys, 47% from the field, but only 29% from three. They're turning the ball over 11 times per game. Uh, excuse me, 15 times per game, but they are getting 11 steals and seven blocks. So uh, they, they seem to have a lot of defensive strengths. We seem to have a lot of defensive strengths, and that's what it will come down to. And you mentioned kind of the, the, the balance scoring. There's three players that are all averaging about 10 points per game. There's two guards with the first name of Bryce, Bryce Williams and Bryce Thompson, and then 6'9", junior forward Caleb Boone. So they don't, uh, you know, have someone like Tyson up, you know, 18, 19 points per game, uh, fairly balanced across the board. Yeah, you mentioned the turnovers. That's been their their bugaboo this season, much like Wichita State on offense. And that's the part of the game where, you know, Wichita State could turn it in its favor because, you know, Wichita State has done a very good job at forcing turnovers this year. I believe they're uh, uh, top 40 in the country. Yeah, number 31 on Kempom in forcing turnovers. And, it go again, it goes back to transition. You know, you're going to force a lot of turnovers. Can you capitalize on those fast breaks in transition? You know, uh, you know that they're going to get some live ball turnovers. So uh, that's a huge part of this game, in my opinion, is – how much Wichita State is going to be able to capitalize on forcing turnovers and how many they can force because this is an Oklahoma State team that's a little susceptible to turning the ball over. So I would expect Wichita State to uh, slap on that three-quarters press that IB likes and see if they can't you know, speed them up and uh, take, make them take some rush shots and uh, rusticisms that, that lead to turnovers. So um, that that's one part of the game where I think you nailed it. I think Wichita State has a chance there uh, to to flip the game in their favor. You talked about some bye games coming up for the Shockers. I think Sunday might be one of those too. I'm just kidding. It's the annual Interest Bank Arena game. The K State Wildcats at three and two come in on the year. Uh, they play Albany on Wednesday, so more than likely will be four and two coming in. They were picked ninth in the Big Twelve preseason poll. They're Ken Palm eighty. They lost to Illinois and Arkansas and Kansas City. The exact same score in both. They lost seventy two to sixty four to both Illinois and Arkansas. Uh, but when you look at the Wildcats, this should be a game that the Shockers are favored and, and really need to take care of business. 2-0 and is ideal, but 1-1 and I think is still kind of acceptable on that, uh, you know, these projections when we're looking at the beginning of the season where they needed to be. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the key five-game stretch in Wichita State's non-conference schedule where you play probably the best, five best teams you're going to play out of conference. And, uh, uh, yeah, 3-2 and two was kind of the bar, 4-1. Um, and one. Uh, you know, okay, now we're talking, uh, you know, raise expectations. If they can win at Oklahoma State and follow it up with K-State uh, on, on the, uh, you know, in a neutral court uh, in Wichita, okay, now you're, you're starting to build that case for, you know, maybe getting some votes in the top 25. 
you know, Oklahoma State win would be nice, like I said, but it's not going to, you know, push you over the top where, you know, people are going to be like, oh, Wichita State definitely belongs in the top 25. But the important thing is it's going to get that Ken Palm rating up, uh, you know, a lot before conference. And that's going to be key because I think the American is going to be, you know, improved from last season. So there's going to be a lot more opportunities to keep it that high and even improve. And, uh, you know, Wichita State squeaked uh, their way in last year. I think they were in the 50s. Uh, this year, you know, the goal should be a top 40 team on Kempom. Then you're going to feel a lot better about your chances come come March Madness. So, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you serious about becoming an NCAA tournament team, you can't lose, you know, at Interest Bank Arena to K-State this year. You know, they're, they're in rebuild mode. Uh, you know, they've actually played a little bit better than I was expecting against Arkansas and Illinois, but still, you know, they're looking like a, you know, bottom three team in the, in the big 12. Uh, they're not going to be close to, you know, NCAA tournament projections. So you cannot take a loss here. If you're Wichita State, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's plenty of time to, to, you know, uh, get it back. It's not like a must win game, but uh, you know, it's going to be a bad loss if they take that loss at home. And uh, you know, I feel like K-State is just kind of like a worse version of, of what Wichita State likes to do. You know, they like to get in those rock fights. Uh, they're a really good defensive team. You know, Bruce Weber always has them well coached on the defensive end. But, you know, K-State has uh, struggled, uh, you know, a lot on offense. Uh, from what I was uh, uh, watching on, on Synergy, you know, they, they made a lot of really, really tough shots. And, you know, maybe that, that evens out over the course of the season. And maybe that's why they played so well against Arkansas and Illinois. But, you know, they, they've made a lot of really, really tough shots. They've been horrendous in transition. They're almost close to Wichita State. I think they're bottom 20 in the country in transition offense. So they've had their own struggles there. And, uh, yeah, this is a game where, uh, like I said, you know, they like to do a lot of the same stuff that Wichita State does, you know, make it tough on opponents to score and then just try to win a rock fight. Uh, But I think Wichita State has a little more juice on offense and they're a little bit better defensively. So that's a game that, that, you know, they play well you would expect to win by you know upwards of 10 uh, right around that range and then if they don't play well you know you're just hoping to you know survive down the stretch kind of like the, they've done a couple times at interest I remember that Southern Miss game a couple years ago where you know they just didn't play well at all but you know they, they pulled it out in that last minute so maybe you see something like that but uh, you know I know uh, it just goes back to you know talking about the the efficiency uh, the possession by possession stuff, you know, the more they can rack up these, you know, double digit wins, the better it's going to look come March. Although, I mean, I would point out that, you know, I, I try telling people that those first three teams they played, they were all good teams. They're all very good mid majors. And I think you've kind of seen that uh, play out since then. You know, Tarleton State made a lot of noise last night. They took Gonzaga down to. Uh, you know, they were thin one with like seven minutes left with, you know, a top three team like Gonzaga. So Tarleton State's a, it's a good ball team. And then South Alabama, you know, they've won uh, five in a row uh, right after the Wichita State game. They took Alabama uh, down the stretch. So that's another team I think it's going to be very, very good uh, in their conference and probably get to the NCAA tournament. So uh, I think now that, you know, uh, there's some distance between those games, some other results have happened. I think maybe WSU fans can kind of appreciate, you know, those are tough teams, uh, you know, not rollover opponents, and those are going to be solid wins. You know, it's not going to move the needle for Wichita State uh, with the, the team profile, but those are, uh, you know, tough wins that I think made Wichita State a better basketball team. 
The game with K-State tips at 5 p.m. on Sunday, and we broadcast on ESPNU. I hope there's a good walk-up crowd. I know there's still tickets available. I think it's just cool to have the series with K-State again. I believe this is going to be a four-year series back and forth, so the fact that Coach Weber was willing to play the Shockers and the fact that it's starting in Wichita this this first year I think is good. They're averaging eight steals per game but only 1.8 blocks, so they don't quite have the size of an Arizona or maybe an Oklahoma State, so hopefully that's another area that the Shockers can have some success with. The two players to watch out for them, Nigel Pack is averaging 15.6 points per game. Marquise Knoll is averaging 12.8. Those are two guards, and both of them are either six foot or under six foot foot. So uh, once again, uh, I think this will be more of a guard matchup. Hopefully Morris Udeze can have a little bit uh, of a better game. And and then overall, we hope we just have a, a nice crowd down there at Interest Bank Arena. This is an aside. You brought up Gonzaga, but did you see that Duke-Gonzaga game? That, that one guy for Duke, he's the real deal. Yeah, that was a high, high-level game. I got to catch the end of that one after the uh, Missouri game. So um, yeah, those are you know arguably the two best teams in college basketball. And uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to watch. But uh, yeah, to to go back to K State, you know, like you said, the, the two guards, those are the the two to watch. Uh, Nigel Pack is just like shooting the lights out. He was one of those guys I was talking about. who makes a ton of tough shots, and uh, he's uh, you know shooting like a ridiculous uh, percentage on off the dribble. And uh, you know, uh, Marquise Noel is doing the same thing. You know, in pick and rolls, they're making a a lot of really really tough shots. And uh, so that's kind of the things I wonder, you know, if those shots start going out, uh, you know, what's K-State's offense look like? You know, they've been solid to this point, but, you know, those two have really carried them and they don't have much of an inside presence. So you're right, you know, uh, that's an area where Wichita State's going to look to to really take advantage with with Mo inside and Kenny, uh, you know, th- that one-two punch. And, you know, still waiting for, you know, Joe Pleasant was a, was a very capable scorer at Abilene Christian, and we just haven't seen much offense from him yet. Uh, so still waiting on kind of a, a spark for him, maybe see if he can get uh, something going over these next two games. And uh, and then Dexter Dennis, too. I mean, same thing. You know, it seems like he starts out slow every single year. And, uh, you know, you just kind of you have the feeling that he's in store for one of those big games, you know, four or five threes in a game. Uh, he's going to get wide open looks uh, just because of the driving kick nature of Wichita State's offense. So uh, if you can have a good shooting game, that's something to watch for too this week. I think with K-State, uh, we should have a beat writer bet. You know, you and Kella should have some sort of contest or competition that the the loser has to, to go through. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll have to get a hold of Kella. You know, I was a, you know, to be fair, I was a K-State fan growing up, and I've watched a lot of K-State basketball over the years. So I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little emo, so, um, you know, it's been it's been a tough uh, it's been a tough uh, last few years. But, uh, you know, this uh, it's looking like a rebuilding year, like I said. I, I try to watch as much as I can. It's, it's kind of hard during Wichita State basketball season. But, uh, you know, they, they have some nice, nice pieces, and uh, – uh, but I think this is, uh, you know, a game that Wichita State should should be able to win uh, just because of their defense, uh, you know, it's been so good. I feel like it's kind of gets uh, overshadowed because of the offensive troubles. And, uh, you know, the offense has not been good. Uh, you know, it's not a secret. It's been a little bit below average. But uh, the defense has just been lights out. And uh, they've given, given just about everybody problems. Uh, so, uh, you, you can't really say uh, you, you, know, you want to try to emphasize that and, you know, for people not to lose sight of just, you know, how good Wichita State has been 
without, you know, if you're going to be like a top 20 defense, usually you have, you know, a 6'10 guy back back there just blocking, you know, three shots a game. And uh, that's why it's so impressive what Wichita State has been able to do so far with uh, really the rim protection coming from like Craig Porter and, and maybe a little Dexter Dennis. All right, Producer Brian, what do you got for us today? Okay, so we talked earlier about the transition struggles of Wichita State. So buy or sell, the transition struggles can be mainly attributed to players trying to not make the simple play and make the spectacular play. Let's start with you, Taylor. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, w- I would probably buy that. I mean, I think there's just, uh, I mean, Ivy kind of mentioned it in his press conference this week where, uh, you know, a lot of it's just uh, they're, they're trying to make that extra pass when really they just need to go up and, and uh, you know, force the defense to, to make a decision. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's, that's part of uh, the reason why is that, you know, they're looking for maybe the flashy play, the flashy pass, but uh, really it's just, you know, overpassing in my in my opinion, you know, when you, you look at some of these turnovers, they're just, uh, just you know, kind of mind-boggling uh, decisions. So, uh, yeah, that's that's probably a good uh, source of uh, the problems right there. I'm going to sell it. I think it's just been poor decision-making. I mean, in the Missouri game, if they had a player trailing where they could pass it back easily for a dunk, they didn't. If they had, you know, several people that couldn't make a decision on who to go to. I mean, it just seemed like they never made the easy play or the, you know, the smart play at the time. And and that can be corrected as Taylor mentioned, but I, I think it was just strictly poor decision-making and, and getting sped up a little bit. All right. And we've talked some about Wichita State's defenses. You're certainly getting a lot of deflections, getting a lot of steals. I want to know, buy or sell right now at this moment, are you classifying Wichita State's defense as elite i'm gonna sell that too i don't think it's quite elite opponents are shooting 41 percent from the field it is only 25 percent from three and the 7.8 steals is good but I, I i think they could improve that a little bit um and really just sometimes goes back to how they're playing offense as taylor mentioned you know you hit some free throws against arizona you hit you know a little bit better shooting percentage against missouri or, or make the easy plays it's a little bit of a different game i think they're doing well and four out of six games under 60 is good but that arizona game i guess is the the one that uh you know stops me from saying that yeah i mean i think they're elite in certain areas like forcing turnovers and uh yeah limiting uh you know field goal percentage but i mean they're not elite in in the terms there's overall um you know, two-point percentage is usually a pretty good indicator of how good your defense is. They are, you know, right in the middle of the pack there, uh, pretty average. Uh, so, you know, they're getting uh, by with, a, a you know, some three-point luck. You know, teams just aren't shooting well against them. And, uh, you know, that should be pointed out that some of that is game plan. You know, they, they know they can't make, a, you know, aren't good shooters. So they're forcing teams to kick out and, and to take shots they don't want to. So, uh, I mean, some of that is luck. You know, team shooting under 26% is not going to happen for, you know, the whole season more than likely. So, I mean, I think they're on the, the edge of it. If they can clean up, you know, the rebounding has been much improved, uh, but it's still just average. You know, it's not elite there. So, you know, if you're looking to move into that, uh, you know, category is truly elite, I think you're going to have to shore up the rebounding and then uh, improve the two-point defense a little bit. So, uh, I mean, they're on the brink, though. I mean, they're 43 on, on Ken Palm. Uh, you know, if they if they can move into that top 30, then I think you're you know now you're in the conversation for being elite. All right, we spent some time talking about 
Morris Udeze and Kenny Poto setting setting those hard screens, getting some opportunities in the offense with Craig Porter dishing to them, getting dunks. Buy or sell. The key for Wichita State's offense is Mo and Kenny setting that solid, hard ball screen up top and getting a defense to actually need to scramble and do something. Because when we see them do that, it really unlocks open shots from the perimeter for Tyson, opportunities in the pick and roll game, getting a dunker spot or a floater in the lane. Buy or sell? Let's start with you, Taylor. Yeah, I'll uh, sell that, but I do think that is a big part of the, you know, the key to the offense to unlock it. But really, in my mind, you know, you're going to have to start making shots, uh, you know, at some point in the season, you know, they're shooting, uh, you know, just under 33%. It's not terrible, but, you know, it's something where they feel like they're a better shooting team than that. And uh, really, the biggest key in my mind, the offense is just spacing, you know, they've had bad spacing. Uh, most of this season has been great. Um, you know, if you watch it kind of, uh, you know, I, I can't really pick up on that stuff like in the game. I have to go back and rewatch. But, you know, you kind of notice it the second time you watch it. And it's just, you know, guys are in the way. Uh, you know, they're, they're just not properly spaced. It's really clogging up driving lanes. So in my mind, it's, it's spacing number one. And then maybe, you know, the pick and roll uh, stuff. And then, you know, just shooting from the outside, too, is, is going to be a big part. I'm going to sell that as well. The first part of what Taylor said was kind of exactly spot on with what I was thinking. I think, you know, the more shots you make, the better the offense looks. But also sometimes I think guys are trying to do a little too much one-on-one and not all the time. You know, sometimes they run these beautiful sets and it's like that was perfect and, you know, everything works as it's supposed to. When Mo in particular and, and, you know, even – Tyson, to a certain extent, kind of go at it on their own. I, I think, you know, unless those shots are going in, the offense just is going to kind of look clunky and, and really what it has for the first six games of the year. So more you're able to make shots and the more you're able to maybe run a little bit more uh, sets from an offense perspective or even get out and fast break and convert those, you're, you're going to be in a lot better shape. Yeah, that's like one of the most uh, constant criticisms I've heard from uh, you know, people on Facebook and just like people that will message me. Compare me to those Facebook people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I think Dustin has a couple of these fake accounts. He just likes to post on there. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's like the, the criticism is that, you know, why aren't they running sets? You know, they're, uh, you know, it's just all one-on-one street ball. And, um, you know, some of that is true, but I mean, they are running. It's not like they're just rolling it out there and just not running anything. You know, if you watch, uh, you know, they're running sets, but it goes back to what I was saying, where the spacing is so bad is that, you know, they're not getting anything out of those sets. And uh, it, it does revert back to, you know, one-on-one play the last 10 seconds of the shot clock, but that's pretty much what everybody does at the, the last 10 seconds of the shot clock. The goal is to not get to the last 10 seconds of, of the shot clock and, you know, get something out of those sets. And they just haven't been able to do that, uh, you know, whether it's just bad spacing or, or not cutting hard or, you know, um, you know, just the, whatever it is, you know, they haven't been able to get a lot of, uh, you know, easy baskets this season. And, uh, but it's not because they're not running sets. It's just because they're not running them well. That That's more the criticism, uh, just the, the poor spacing and then just the lack of execution too. So that's why I thought the second half of the Missouri game was so encouraging because you started to see them, you know, kind of have an identity and, and run stuff crisply and like I said, with the Etienne kind of wrinkle, using him as a decoy, uh, they, they, I think they found something there. So uh, hopefully they can carry that over. And 
I think that's the the reason for optimism coming out of that Missouri game. You just have to forget, try to forget about the free throws, forget about the turnovers, and uh, I think that's the the biggest takeaway from that game. All right, and finally, I want to know what is the most surprising thing, maybe in Wichita State's team, maybe across the American that you've seen so far this early in the season. What what are your biggest surprises? I don't believe that's a buy or sell, Brian. But I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just that. No, no surprises. <laughs> Uh, well, we saw Iowa State kind of boat race Memphis over the weekend. I, I guess that would classify as a surprise. I think Cincinnati has played a little bit better than expectations so far. They um, lost to Monmouth, though. They, they ruined it. I know. The epitome of brutality. You lose a bye game. But uh, at least they had played a little bit better up until that point. But, uh, Taylor, you're, you're, any surprises from you? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati did beat Illinois by 20, so that's uh, that, that should be noted. Uh, the American as a whole, you know, Memphis, uh, you know, kind of the same deal. Uh, you know, they're just kind of undisciplined. I mean, it's the same criticism year after year with Penny Hardaway teams. Uh, you know, they lost by 19 to Iowa State, uh, which very well may have cost Wichita State a recruit. I think, uh, you know, to touch on the Trey King thing, I, I was told that he was waiting until kind of the weekend to decide. And then Iowa State goes out and, and wins two in a row in the, in their uh, their midseason tournament and in convincing fashion, too. And they're 6-0. and oh, And uh, from everything I've been told, he's been uh, leaning that way ever since. So. Uh, good job, Memphis. You might have uh, cost Wichita State a recruit. And Houston, uh, I watched them play against Wisconsin. Uh, that was a tough loss. But every other game, you know, they've been very good. I, I, I would still pick them number one in the American just because I trust Kelvin Sampson more. Um, I would put, man, it's hard to put Memphis too. I mean, it's hard to put much trust in them. But just they just have so much talent. And then I think Wichita State is is you know belongs in that that upper tier. And, uh, uh, you know, then you have teams like UCF, Cincinnati, SMU that are going to be fighting to move move into there. Um, so that's kind of the, the rundown for me for the American. And then in terms of Wichita State, uh, I mean, Kenny Poto, uh, just how advanced he's been. Uh, I was told leading up to the season, uh, you know, this guy is really, really good in the post. Uh, he's uh, surprised coaches, but I didn't know he would be this good this early. Um, so, and he hasn't even, like I said, he hasn't even shot well from three. So he's really, uh, you know, it has some untapped potential there. Um, let's see what else, uh, you know, Tyson Etienne, just how many shots he's taken, kind of the shot quality. That's been a little surprising. Um, let's see, Monzi Jackson. I feel like he deserves a little bit more run. Uh, it just seems like good things happen whenever he's in the game. Uh, so, I mean, I would expect his playing time to go up. Uh, and then maybe the biggest takeaway early on has been how good Wichita State's four-guard lineup has been uh, when they played Dexter Dennis at the four. And that goes back to, you know, maybe why Monzi has not been able to get a play very much because, you know, uh, the four-guard lineup with Dex at the four has been so good that, uh, you know, Coach Brown is, has really gone to that at the end of halves to close games. I'm looking right now. So they have played about 117 possessions, about 28% of the possessions total, uh, and they've outscored opponents 131 to 103. That's 0.23 points per possession uh, difference. You know, the offense is peaked. They're at 1.12. Uh, 
uh, with four guards on the floor. And some people have asked me, like, who are the four guards? Well, it hasn't really mattered. You know, it's it, the big thing is Dexter at the four, and then you can kind of fill in the rest. It's usually Quay or Craig at the one, Tyson at the two, and then Ricky at the three. That's the the typical lineup for when WSU is at, at its best. So that's something to kind of keep in mind going forward to see how much, how often they use that lineup and, uh, you know, if that's going to be the best lineup. Because uh, really, you know, you're getting Ricky and Dexter and Tyson all on the floor, you know, that sounds like the best offensive lineup. So it, it's probably not a surprise that, that that has been the most potent lineup. So, um, and then he's kind of tinkered with the two. He's put Pleasant at the five a few of those times. Uh, but really, the, the when the lineup really sparks, you know, it's when Kenny is at the five with those four guards just because the spacing has been so good. So that's something a little, you know, a little nugget to, to kind of, uh, keep in mind to look forward to as the season progresses. Well, the two Big 12 opponents this week and then the four bye games between now and the end of the year, and then it's already conference play on Wednesday, December 29th, so just a few weeks away. Crazy to think that tomorrow when they play Oklahoma State, the calendar will have already turned over to December, and we're almost a month in here on the young season, but we'll start to go quick. Also, at the end of the semester, you start to see the games get spread out and, and uh, you know timing a little bit. That means more practice time. You've seen flashes all year long with the team. I think, you know, most of what we expected is is there, but now it's just bringing it all together as a, you know, kind of where I started at the top hasn't always looked the best. Maybe instead of playing angry, they're playing ugly, but that has led to a 5 and 1 start and I I think we'll uh, you know, still see some good things this year. So uh, I am getting married next week in Mexico. So I will be gone all week long. So I'm not sure if we'll have a uh, show next week or not. There's just the one game next Saturday against uh, Alcorn State, I believe. No, that is Norfolk State they play and then Alcorn State that following week. So uh, we'll be back with you probably at, at least in a week or so and, and keep this going through the year. Dustin, is it true that they are filming the next Hangover movie at your at your wedding? <laughs> well, the bachelor party was down in in Mexico as well, and and that's already come and gone. And some of the folks that listen to this podcast are, uh, uh, you know, we're in attendance, and you know what happens on the road stays out on the road. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, but uh, no, I, I'm excited. Should be a good time, and and then ready to get back and uh, continue the coverage of our Shockers. Congratulations, man. That's, uh, that's a big time moment. Uh, I know we're uh, looking forward to the, the party back here in Wichita uh, uh, New Year's Eve. So we'll be, uh, we'll be excited for that. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say congratulations. That's, uh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Well, what should our listeners do? Got to rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net. Hey, uh, Taylor, how many rolls did you eat for Thanksgiving? Uh, you know, I, I went to an uncontrolled environment with my girlfriend's family. And uh, usually, you know, when it's my family, they know what I like. And uh, they had plenty of rolls. This one I only got, you know, I think three or four in. Oh, no. <laughs> Disappointing performance. But, uh, oh. you know, what can you do? Oh, they, they clearly <laughs> don't listen to this podcast. Common knowledge for talk angry fans. <laughs>